From Glitch HQ on Riverside Avenue in top speed all together Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Martha McGarry, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. For this episode, our topics are enemy AI, cooperative games, and speedrunning. And so, if everyone's ready... Wait, was I supposed to say something? I think so. <laughs> oh yeah, let's start. Ah, okay. okay. I there just I just sped through that intro so quickly. Oh yeah. But um <laughs> joke like that can only happen in this temperature. Yes. It is a million uh, degrees in the clubhouse right now. A million and two, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, well, <laughs> for listeners out there, we just finished recording our episode that you heard last week with Hannah Murphy, and I thought we held it together pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Afterward, Thanks, Hannah, Hannah said like that she was going to faint. Yes, she did. <laughs> I would have felt so guilty. <laughs> I'm jealous of y'all in Alaska right now. <laughs> <sighs> it's so warm. Yeah, yeah, it's hot here in Minneapolis. It's like 90 degrees, but also the air conditioning at Glitch is broken. <laughs> yeah, so it's like a sweat box. It's so bad. Uh, uh, we'll see. Uh, but you know, the uh, the nice show must go on. Yes. Um, We're so. here for you every week. <laughs> yeah. So let's take care of some business before we get into it. Steve, you want to talk about community events again? Yeah. Um, so I'm still looking for community events here at Glitch. Uh, hopefully the air conditioning will be fixed by the time your community event happens. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you want to um, hold a community event, we have community events here at Glitch. You may have uh, been to some of them. We have like Tabletop Tuesdays where people uh, come together and play board games. Uh, and other things like StoryForge, where people talk about narrative design and things in their various video games. Uh, and not just video games, actually. We, I think people have talked about board games in the past, too. Uh, so, yeah, if you're interested, you can talk to me, Stephen McGregor. Uh, you can see me on the Slack or on Twitter at Leonix03. I think that's my Twitter. <laughs> when it, we'll put it on the show notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and, you have to yeah. look it up first. <laughs> right. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, uh, just yeah. If you're interested, you can host whatever you want. Um, we've just uh, Mark will be hosting a uh, community event in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm real cheesy to you about that because we mentioned this on the show before. Uh, yes, and then I, I was like, "Oh, you guys should come down." And you're like, "It happened already." <laughs> it but hasn't happened. Yet. It got pushed back a couple weeks. Yeah. But here's the thing: when they hear this, it will have happened already. <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> I promise. So, jokes on all of us, I guess. <laughs> Well, if it goes well, we'll make it a regular thing. Yeah, yeah. We'll see how it goes. It's calendar math. <laughs> calendar math. Yeah, I'm not good at it, even though I run the community events. I'll get it right for you guys, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into our topics then. Um, first one is mine. I want to talk about enemy AI yes. in games. Um, the reason is, is because I, I've always planned to put some in my game, mm-hmm. but I haven't yet. <laughs> and I've only I've played with a little bit in like demos and 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 little prototypes I've done, but I've yeah. never. It always felt for a long time it, it, AI as a topic felt kind of like like a dark art almost. Mm-hmm. And um, but, uh, it's kind of silly because the truth is it's just a bunch of if statements. It's literally not Pretty that much. complicated. <laughs> it's but it's it's there's lots of little like those little hurdles you get over that are more psychological than uh, skilled uh, skill based or anything. Mm-hmm. And that was definitely one of it for me. Where um, I went to a, a couple of roundtables at GDC mm. in 2016. Um, AI roundtables, and uh, it was the the roundtables at GDC are great because it's beginners and intermediates and experts all in the same room just yapping at each other, and it's really good. It's a way to feel like part of of it, like the, it's sort of it's it's a way to 
it can either worsen your imposter syndrome or alleviate it, <laughs> depending, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. Um, but it was really nice to hear from like people who were working on The Sims talk about just the stupid hacks they had to do to make it work. <laughs> and then people who were just like, um, what's uh, this? Like, it, it was just a great, good mix of, of people, and it was a fun thing. But it really taught me that, like, um, you know, it's like, duh, of course, it's just additional programming. There's nothing special about it. And that sort of alleviated my fear a little bit and let me kind of like toy with it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to talk about it uh, from a more of a game design perspective, like how you uh, put it together, especially yeah. because Vengeance is loaded with that stuff. Oh yeah, that's like three fourths of the game, really. Right. I mean, that is the structural wow. like like core of it is mm -hmm. the you know you, the enemies are the way you maneuver and right. how you interact. It's the yep. it's the thing the player interacts with almost exclusively. Yes. Right. I mean, as a, a shoot 'em up, that's by design, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's different from people who make up platformer games. Like in my my case, my game is like is a sort of a subgenre of platformer game, and so I did a lot of work on making the platforming work. But um, in the single player mode that's to come, don't ask me about it. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I will have enemy uh, AI, and of, and of course I have this multiplayer mode that I've you know from time to time people ask me, well, can you have like computer players? And I'm like, I don't know if I'm qualified to make those, but I guess I am. Yeah, um, and you so can do it. yeah, so um, I just want to talk a little bit more about sort of the design. Uh, elements of it, mm -hmm. and one of the things uh, doing some research that really fascinated me most is that AI is designed uh, um, not just to make the game challenging or, or to you know to structure a level, but also to communicate to players. So in things like um, uh, uh, like like Batman: Arkham City or some, a game like that, where yeah. you have um, the enemy AI has these tells, uh, the mechanics are, are are telegraphed. So that's the kind of AI that does, it doesn't replicate like another player. The way, like, say, a fighting game might, uh -huh. um, but it's designed as a way to communicate concepts to the player, and that I find super interesting. So you can find out that, like, um, you oh, you can pick up this item because an enemy just did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it can teach you things as you go, and I find that really interesting. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's that's one way that a lot of people design enemies. And earlier, before we uh, started recording, you mm -hmm. brought up that like level or enemy design is basically just level design. Yeah. Um, and it really is like, especially in Fingence, it's mm -hmm. I mean, all of your level is basically how many enemies you're throwing up the player the, at any point. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it it, it um, dictates how your player is going to go through the level and stuff. So that like that kind of stuff is important. It, it's a way to teach a player how to get through the level, mm -hmm. or a way to, to um, test a player's um, understanding of a level or the um, game mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. And one, I mean, one of the more famous examples of teaching players things, and I think a lot of people know this already, is the uh, Mario One One, right? Yeah. That like uh, the the famous, most famous part of that is you jump and you uh, uh, hit uh, get the mushroom, and then if you try to jump over the mushroom, the plat the thing above you is so low that you will accidentally hit it, mm -hmm. and that's a way to teach you that it's a power up. But I think the very first thing in that example is the Goombas walking right at you, and so you, you will immediately learn what an enemy is yes. by, by by dying to it. And then you, but also because it's coming for you, you're, it's coming right and you're going left. Just that alone explains to the player that it's opposed to you. Mm -hmm. And even though it's this cute little guy, um, I think that does a really good job. I don't think there's a lot of people who play Mario for the first time and run straight into the Koomba. I don't think that's true. Um, yeah, just because it feels like it, it, just little things like that, I think, is really important the way mm -hmm. you structure those things. And so it got me thinking about how. Um, like AI is not a way to like it's not a way to um, give agency to objects and make them feel alive. It really is about developing a system for the player to interact with yep. as much mm -hmm. as anything else. And I, maybe I don't know. I'm sure there are other people out there who sort of treat it as this sort of mystical dark art. But I, I just wanted to share my breakthrough on that. Like you know, yeah, yeah. Um, the interesting thing about AI is that you're really just trying to make. You're not even necessarily trying to make enemies that are fair. Yeah. You're just trying to make enemies that communicate something to a player. 
uh, and, and communicate in a way that they can understand it mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. uh, deal with it in some way. Yeah. Like um, in beat 'em ups, for example, oftentimes when you're when you're surrounded by a whole bunch of enemies, only like two of them will ever actually try to attack you at yeah. one time, and that's intentional because they want the player to feel like they can take on all of these enemies, and they want the player to feel empowered to be able to do so. But they also like don't want it to be like unfair where everybody at the same time is crowding you with a bunch of attacks. Right. Uh, Assassin's Creed famously does yeah. that a lot, where it's sort of um, it, it well, it tries its best. To, to only give you so many opponents while letting you feel like there's a lot of people there. Yep. And then the enemies who are not engaging you, they'll find a way to artfully not engage you so it feels plausible. Yeah. Because a lot of that is, is, there's some smoke and mirrors to it, of course. Yep. Um, and uh, so one of the articles that I found on this um, was uh, by a guy named, uh, a guy named uh, Bart Vosen. And he wrote an article that uh, sort of a study on third-person games, so mm-hmm. uh, like melee fighters, like Devil May Cry, or action, action games like like Batman or Assassin's Creed, um, and described four types of sort of enemy AI. I think these are his definitions, but they're really useful. Um, one is uh, called emphasizers, which uh, is designed an enemy that will um, itself use mechanics or encourage the player to naturally use new game mechanics, mm-hmm. but at the same time doesn't, doesn't force them to do it. It just uh, emphasizes that this is how you engage with this world, right? So a Goomba might qualify for that. Like, you can jump on it or you don't have to, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, and then teaches you how to do that, or it, but it's very sort of low-key about it. It doesn't force you. Um, it gives you some space to, to move around. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's Enforcers, which is the sort of like e- extreme of that, where it requires you to use a mechanic to beat it. So a good example of that is in Batman, you have the enemies with the, the shields, which doesn't matter how many combos you go, you've got to do the little grapple thing. It's like the only way to get them. Yeah. I hate those guys because I don't like that <laughs> game mechanic. It's not fun. But like that is a way to teach systems is by forcing a player to do it. Like yeah. it just, just, you know, people are smart. They'll discover it eventually. And that's just a sort of a roadblock for it. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's smashers, which are basically just enemies that are designed to be killed. Like they are basically a power fantasy kind of set. Yeah. Which that is an interesting element to me is that um, just like when you design levels, you have these sort of challenging level uh, sections plus these sort of like um, re- uh, relief points where you there's no, not a lot of challenge for a little while. Like Mega Man levels are like this a lot, where it's these really difficult areas, and then suddenly you got a, a screen or two where there's not much going on. Uh-huh. And I think that it's as a designer, it's very it's very you have, to have a lot of self awareness to know when the player needs that sort of uh, resting point, and that resting point consists of for the player means that they're running across two screens, right? Like you'd think if you're thinking of it like a metaphor, you'd be like, oh, they'll just stop and rest. Like that's not what video game characters do. So you need to design that way. And so these enemies kind of work the same way. Is yeah. like Sometimes you just need a bunch of guys you can take out. Yeah. Um, and I find that sort of an interesting element to it. And then the, the last example they had was uh, challengers. So basically bosses, uh, things that uh, test your skill, that sort of everything you've learned up to that point is a combination of that. Um, it's a pretty amorphous term. But I found that article really interesting. Um, it was sort of an, an examination of those types of third-person games and the types of enemies you encounter in them. Hmm. Um, so we'll definitely put that in the show notes. Um, but yeah, so thinking about Fingeance, mm-hmm. like you have different enemies that have sort of work in roughly those categories we do. as well, right? Yeah, um, so I guess like Enforcers and Fingeance would be like, there are, some, there are certain enemies that have armor on them yeah. that you just cannot get through. A lot of, some of the enemies that have this armor, they only have armor at a particular point. Like mm-hmm. there's a, I don't know if we still have these in the game, but there are uh, turrets that have uh, rotating armor walls that just rotate around them. So like right. you have to time your shots to hit them when the armor is not blocking the front of the character. Because most characters in Fingeance can't shoot behind themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, kinds of things like that where you have to figure out timing for enemies. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that makes sense to me. Right, it encourages that um, sort of stop and go mechanic that yep. works so great in Fingence. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I love that. And the bosses have different modes that also some of them, some elements of of uh, boss battles are that sort of that relief. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's almost like a little mini smasher section where you can just like deal a bunch of damage, feel good about making it through the last section. Yep. Uh, before you have to deal with the next section. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, playing a game uh, called Thumper, which is pretty interesting, and mm -hmm. they have that sort of, they have a similar kind of mechanic. Uh, they have boss battles. It's a rhythm game for some, but huh. it still has boss battles. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you fight against like a big flaming skull thing, um, <laughs> and you just have to get the, you have to get the rhythm pattern just right, or, or otherwise you have to repeat the pattern over and over again. Yeah. So I, I, this is, I guess... I guess it would just be that boss. What was what was the boss you said the bosses were called? Oh, like just challengers. Challengers, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so this is a challenger. You have to get that rhythm correct. And you've been, like, throughout the whole level, you've been learning this particular mechanic. Like, one uh, mechanic was you had to learn how to fly over these spikes. Hmm. Uh, and this boss tests you how to do that, to, or tests you on that. You have to fly over the spikes constantly mm -hmm. in each of the different sections. But if you do it correctly and you do it right on the first try, you get a, a bonus uh, healing thing that re repairs your feel. This game is weird, guys. <laughs> it's really cool, though. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it, it has a it has a similar kind of uh, uh, feel to that. Like this is the point in which you need to learn that mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. those mechanics that you learn. And like it's interesting how like Mario levels are designed in that way. Like they'll introduce you to the um, an enemy right away in a safe space where you can figure out how these how these enemies work and stuff right, like that. Right. But by the end of the level, you're being tested on how to deal with this enemy or this this type of uh, obstacle. Yeah, so a bullet bill that's firing on a low area that you can just go over, mm -hmm. that is a, that's a just, it's a smasher. You can get it if you want. You can go past it. Or rather, it's I guess that the first category emphasize the mechanic of it. Yeah. If you jump on it, you realize you can jump off of it. Yes. And then later, there'll be a part of the thing where you have to use a bullet bill as a platform. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, and everything about Mario levels works that way. And that's definitely reinforces that concept that 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 I've got here that we were talking about that that enemy AI is level design, it's particularly yeah. in Mario mm. games, oh, yeah. because yeah. The, the the enemies follow so many specific rules, they're very predictable. And I think that that is the enemy AI that I'm most interested in, not just because it's easier, <laughs> but I think that that allows for more deliberate design. I'm I'm not a fan of. We talked about this when we were talking about procedural generation, but I'm very nervous about that. Kind of, I kind of want to know the the possibility space, even mm. if it's enormous. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm less excited about because I feel like you can design better if you have the if you have those limited options and you can you sort of multiply them together, right? Mm -hmm. um, but that is, I mean, th there's a that that goes against realism, right? So a lot of these third person games that have realistic uh, 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 scenarios, like Batman. When you're playing Batman, it, the enemies come fairly predictable, and that's fun yeah. actually because you can you you can feel like the Batman, like you know this. But it's also, I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not very realistic, and so I, I'm curious about you guys when you play games that have like, is there is there a time when you play a game where the enemy eye feels like they're alive, and is that an, an appealing element of a game for you? Because I think it is, but as a designer, I don't really I'm not interested in that. That's a good question, huh? Uh, you know, it's interesting. I was playing um, the Crash Bandicoot collection, uh -huh. the Insanity one. Oh, the one that just came out? Yeah, the one that just came out. Uh, it's got all three of the original Crash games. They remastered mm -hmm. and everything. So, and uh, oftentimes, I feel like I have a hard time understanding what the enemies are going to do because they've themed them in a certain way that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Like, uh, you have... There's this one enemy in the, in the third Crash where, like, it's a monkey that's carrying three pots. Hmm. Um, and then you hit it, and then a pot falls on his head, and the other ones break. And then now you can't like get past him unless you jump over him. It's yeah. weird because that doesn't 
make a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> like, why would you all of a sudden not be able to go through this monkey mm-hmm. just because uh, it has a pot on it? I, I didn't understand that. So, um, in some way, like in some ways, uh, it's important to make sure that the enemy is intuitive for players to understand right away. Yeah, because otherwise they'll be confused and they'll make mistakes and get frustrated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I don't necessarily think it has to be realistic because if it if it if it well it, it could feel realistic, but like if it was really realistic, it would oftentimes just be more frustrating than yeah. anything else. One of the things I, I've maybe I've talked about this before, but like my favorite Assassin's Creed game is the first one, mm-hmm. and that's probably not true of anybody else. <laughs> um, it was, I mean, it's a much simpler game, and a lot of people found parts of it boring. Mm-hmm. And but I thought it was sort of pure and interesting, and like the all the crowd dynamics were so revolutionary at the time. Yeah. But there's one thing in that game that really that I thought was hilarious, where um, the anime AI was not terrible, but it wasn't great. Mm. Um, but it, it, the crowd's dynamics felt really real, especially for that era, and that was what was immersive about it is you wouldn't say that enemy AI but that's NPC AI right and I feel like that level of immersion is pretty important there but it had less gameplay consequences Mm. and so I think it's like the flavor it's the juice right yeah Um, but there's one case where at the very end of that that game when you're running up to the castle to defeat the final boss Mm -hmm. um, there's a there's a point where it stops you on the hill and you have to fight like eight guys in a circle and you can't leave the circle like it's Mm. just it's a weird like boxed in moment it's not standard but i found that it was it was it's really hard it's a hard part of the game yeah and i found i could just cheese it by running in a circle <laughs> like constantly yeah. like never letting go yeah because uh your character is exactly as fast or a little faster than the than the enemies oh. designed that way so um the enemies were so dumb that they just kept following me like a conga line yeah like seven or eight of them in this circle it was probably about five meters wide so very like <laughs> a small area and I just around a circle, 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 keep going. And then I would stop for a brief moment, hack the guy directly behind me, turn around and keep running. Okay. And I did that for yeah. like a half an hour <laughs> because I didn't, I decided not to learn how to do this correctly, uh-huh. but it was hilarious and it was, it was fun to sort of break it. But at the same time, it ruined that part of the game for me Yeah, because it felt like now I was working with it in a, as a system, which I could manipulate, which I like normally. But in that game, in that moment, narratively, it was not good at all. Mm, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, the thinking about it in systems reminds me of a game that you were you were watching me play earlier, Chips Challenge. Uh-huh. Oh is, yeah, right. So Chips Challenge is this old uh, PC like Windows 3.0 game that it's a puzzle game, uh, but it's all so it's, it looks sort of top down Zelda like, um, and then each stage is a puzzle and uh, it's, it's supposed to like take place in a computer. It's really ridiculous, very Windows 3.0. And um, what's not, there are enemies, but they're they are utterly predictable. Like they are, they, are ba- they look like enemies, but they are basically just systems. They're just like doors that open and close, or like electricity that goes around a circle. Yeah. And but the game stylizes them as enemies, and I think that's a, that's like a very pure example of like that as just a system or as just level design. And I'm really I'm really attracted to that. Mm. Um. And and the AI on that are so simple. It's like do this unless this happens. And there's like <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much all it is. But I feel like that is the thing I'm most excited about is because I love puzzle games so much. Mm-hmm. And I, but, I don't, but I want enemies in puzzle games. And I, I think that when they're done well, and it makes sense, you know? I don't know. But there's the other side of it, which is like um, computer-controlled players. So co-op, right. uh, which is something you guys are thinking about doing. Uh, no, well, hey, no, sort of. Well, I've been, <laughs> I'm not excited about you. <laughs> you got, got to finish your stuff, man. Don't add new we, stuff. We don't, we don't have um, AI Character specifically, but okay. there's a character in the game, uh, Flipper. He has oh man, I'm spoiling stuff, whatever. Uh, it's, a, it's a little bonus for nice games. Uh-huh. I'm, gonna, uh, I'm gonna go tell Lane right now. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
we uh, a character named Flipper. He has a drone. Uh, he can spawn drones, and they just automatically target enemies and fire at enemies and stuff. Okay. But they, they do their own thing for the most part. You can call them back to you if you want to heal them or whatever, mm-hmm. but otherwise they'll just go off on their own. So those have, I guess those are ally AIs. Okay, but they still operate on the same sort of level of communicating to the player yeah. that an enemy AI would. I'm thinking of like fighting games. Yes. Right, like, would Clawbreaker have? Uh, I mean, that'd be a great way to teach those mechanics. It's true. Uh, and like, when to jump for a star, and like, when, you know, when the smart way, when this, when it's smart to extend your arms and when not to. Like, have you? Did you guys think about going we, that way? We talked about making a single player. At one point, we scrapped it because we we're like, we won't do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, people have asked what what's up with Clawbreaker on Reddit and stuff. Um, we don't really have an answer for you at this point. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's coming when it's coming. Yeah. Yep. But um, yeah, that would be that would be cool mm-hmm. if we could do that. There's this um website called Salty Bet. Have you guys heard of it? I have heard of Salty Bet. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> Basically, it's two AI fighters, and you bet on which one you think is going to win. Oh, nice. With <laughs> fake money, like it's not. There's no real money involved. Yeah. Um, it's just very silly, and there's like a whole chat that is like sometimes awful, but but a lot of times funny. I don't know. It's just it's kind of it's like a the weirdest thing I think I've ever seen, but it's pretty great, <laughs> and it shows off like I don't know. It's just weird seeing two AIs go against each other and mm-hmm. see like mm-hmm. do they? It's like when the two Google Homes started talking to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on that on that stream. Yeah. And you know they like went in circular conversations and talked about the weirdest stuff yeah. because they like just kept tricking, triggering each other's like different routines and stuff. Right, right. Yeah, and that's where it comes down to like AI as bots, right? Which we've talked about on the show before, and that's where it starts to veer back into that sort of mystical notion of like of of the intelligence part of artificial intelligence, right? Yeah. Um, but like thinking about fighting games, like it, definitely when I'm thinking about Metro Nexus as a sing, as a single player mode, it's a whole different mode. It's it's a it's a single player platforming game. But I have this multiplayer mode that I to teach players multiplayer, I could have computer controlled enemies. Yeah. But then I have to like do a lot of analysis of actual player behavior, like way more than I've done just from visually, you know, doing play tests and user testing, mm-hmm. uh, to actually understand what makes a good Metro Nexus player, I kind of have no idea, right? And I'm really interested about how people design AI for fighting games. Yeah, I, I actually don't know a lot about how they design it, because I'm fighting, you know, human opponents. Right. <laughs> I'm not trying to fight AI uh-huh. as much as possible. But um, I think, I don't think you necessarily would have to be as detailed um, as you would think. Yeah. I mean, don't quote me on this, but I mean, I guess I'm on a podcast. But, uh, it's on tape, man. Dang. Uh, <laughs> Don't quote me on this, Steve McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think you necessarily have to be detailed, if, especially if the goal of this AI is to, one, provide uh, players with something to do yeah. when they're by themselves, or two, just teach them about certain things. You could just design the AI to teach them about certain things. Yeah, I'm interested in that, but I, at the same time, I, you also have to communicate to the player that it's not meant to do more than that. Yeah, okay. You know, and that's that seems like a challenge, especially for an indie dev. Yeah. It's just kind of like, and this topic, like trying, you know, trying to add this element to their game. Uh-huh. Um, fairly late in my own process. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah, well, that, now is a good time in Andy to figure out what it is that makes a good player. Yeah, yeah. In Metro Nexus. Sounds like a good, sounds like a good plan. 
Uh, I'm so hot, guys. I can't think of anything right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's hot. Just the idea of doing work is like, ugh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was one fine. I want to tell a little bit more about um, enemy AI as as narrative. Oh, um, yeah. In uh, Alien Isolation is the best example of this. Mm-hmm. found this great video online that I will share in the show notes uh, from this website uh, called AI and Games, which is a great resource for all sorts of AI topics. And uh, they had a really good video that described... Um, the systems of the alien and alien isolation. So the game is basically you're all by yourself in a space station and the sort of alien xenomorph is just after you. It can't be killed. It, it one shot kills you. So it's definitely a horror game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it sort of like breaks all the rules of enemy AI in that mm-hmm. sense. It's like it's not, but it's interesting because the way they described it is it, uh, it really, it, again, demystified the concept where it has two levels of AIs, macro AI, which basically is aware of what the player is doing at all times. It knows that the player is in this corridor, so it's going to trigger that next part of the story or that next element of information the player is going to get by seeing the view screen. Mm-hmm. The game now knows that, so then it can communicate to the enemy that it's, it's ready for these different encounters, right? Mm. Or it knows that the player has been hanging around in this one area for a really long time, so what it'll do is it'll tell the enemy AI, head in that direction, right? But it doesn't yeah. tell that. So then there's the micro a, uh, uh, element, which is the enemy itself, which has its own like subroutines and understanding of reacting to different elements, different sounds that, that things make, not just the player, but other elements. So it's, it's, very, uh, it's that kind of like unpredictability that makes me nervous in design. But uh, this video dis- demystified that a little bit for me, made me more comfortable with the idea. But I love the idea of if you're hiding from the alien and its normal behavior would be to pass, like, pace back and forth, it would be in this loop. Um, the, the macro AI knows how long you've been hiding and knows when you're ready for a break. Oh. So it uses AI as narrative mm-hmm. and as a way to ease tension. And I found that so fascinating for, for uh, uh, a first person for single player games uh, that, that need AIs to feel alive yeah. in a way. And so this video is very fascinating. So we'll definitely put that in the show notes. Yeah, for sure. But I find that so interesting. And I, I, I wonder how that can apply to things like co-op characters. So like in um, Bioshock Infinite, Elizabeth, um, or in Ico, right? Uh-huh. Um, there's lots of games that have uh, uh, companions that varying levels of success uh, in terms of feeling real or alive. But having giving the the, the enemies or the um, or the allies tasks and goals and then ways to test for those, yeah, it, it it's all it, all, it almost seems fairly simple. But again, it's a design challenge. It's not a programming challenge. Yeah, not necessarily. Yeah, because right? I think AI is very much thought as like deep learning and, and big data and stuff like that. Um, that it's a very easy way to approach it. But in truth, you can express a lot just from design choices you make. As long as you you're, you have a system that can. Ex- Express those and communicate those to the different agents in the game. Um, I don't know. I found that so fascinating. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome. It's possibly interesting. Yeah. Another thing that uh, enemy AI can, well, any kind of AI can do is uh, it can cause some form of an, an emergent gameplay sort of thing. Yeah. Where like uh, emergent gameplay is when uh, a game designer has developed a system um, that uh, causes a whole bunch of different things to happen, but like they can't predict everything that will happen. Uh-huh. Like. Unemergent gameplay would be like uh, a set piece in Call of Duty or Uncharted or whatever. Right. But um, a game I was thinking of was game Slime Rancher. Slime Rancher. Yeah. <laughs> Slime Rancher. So awesome. good. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, one thing I think we may have talked about it on the show before. But yeah, but we should talk about it again. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Martha? Yeah. I went to that talk. Were you? No, you. I wasn't there. at the talk. <laughs> oh. I went to a talk by the guy, one of the programmers for yeah for the game. So each little. Slime has only a few directions. Like, if there's food, get it. 
if you're by a slime, jump on the other slime. I have that directive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and some of them have special things like if you're in the in the light, seek darkness. Or if you're mm-hmm. in, if you are a cat slime, take food from one place to another. Like people will start attributing like agency to to things yeah. just by the fact that, like one of the things is like if you buy another slime, jump on the other slime. So they end up like making these whole elaborate escape things just because they have the one directive to stick on top of each other uh-huh. so it looks like they're all working together to escape <laughs> yeah. but really they're just going through the motions of their yeah. little tiny routines yeah like that is that reminds me of things like how uh, flocks of birds uh, stay in formation they're all following individual directives they're not actually communicating necessarily yeah uh, it also makes me think of like well maybe our cats our cats aren't as smart as we think <laughs> <laughs> the whole box thing the what well like cats will even if you just draw a shape of a box on the ground, they'll go sit. Oh, that, yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I've seen that. We'll, we'll, we'll put one of those in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> That's super cute. <laughs> that reminds me of that, um, that uh, I think it was like an artist thing, where like, some, you know those, those self-driving cars that they're working on? Uh-huh. Uh, somebody drew a dotted line uh, around the, one of those uh, AI cars and then a solid line around that dotted line. Oh, yeah. So the car could enter it. And then couldn't exit. Because uh, <laughs> it, it was like following the law, right? Yeah, right, yeah. So it would just get stuck. <laughs> I don't know if that actually happened. I think it was just an art piece thing. But it was just to explain like how, how this AI, how, what, what would affect or what would happen with this AI, what they've designed. Yeah, right, It's interesting right. how all, the, all these little systems come together and work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, just to bring it back to the beginning, it's, it's all just the same kind of programming you do when you, uh, you know, uh, giving the player the ability to respond to controller commands. It's, it's all if-elses. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. Definitely is. Good stuff. All right, man, we got to turn these fans on and take a break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. oh. And we'll be right back with our next topic, which is what? Uh, cooperative game. All right. In a moment. All right. Uh, we've cooled down a little bit. Just slightly. A very little bit. <laughs> Uh, we want to talk about, co- well, I did want to talk about a uh, cooperative game. Yeah, I didn't really want to. Yeah, well, too bad, Mark. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> so uh, a cooperative game, um, you guys have probably played them before, I'm sure. But uh, they are games where you play with other people to reach or to meet a goal together. Um, so a famous example is like Portal 2 cooperative mode. A lot of people like that. Yeah. Yeah, and they were talking about that on the site a little bit ago. Yeah. Uh, the other day or something. Uh, I wanted to get through that game. It uh, the last time we tried to play it, it lagged too much, so I would oh. like jump, and then Dylan would see me jump. Like oh no! <laughs> and it was uh, impossible. I played that split screen on PlayStation. Oh, nice with, with Dale, and uh, that was fun because we were just right on the couch yelling at each other. <laughs> That's awesome. That's the way to play it. Yeah, yeah. couch co-op. Yeah, couch co-op. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, when you talk about co-op games, that's kind of what you mean, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. That's a lot of what I mean. But, I mean, there are other cooperative games yeah. uh, that you can play online, too. Like, Portal 2 is online as oh, well. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, uh, well, there's definitely different types of players when you say co-op game, what they think in their head, depending on what They might think of something like is, League yeah. of Legends or something like that. But I, yeah. I'm really talking about um, 
I'm thinking of co-op games where you, uh, as a group, go through like a campaign together or a story together, or something right? Like, like Gauntlet is a good Gaunt- example, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, example. the old one and the new one. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm only well, thinking of the old one, but <laughs> yeah, the old one was fun. I used to play that with my uh, my brother and my dad. Yeah, I tried um, to get Martha to play that with me, but it didn't go great because <laughs> that game is really old and kind of. Wait, like, which one is that? Gauntlet. Is that the one on you were we were playing on the emulator? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it went okay. Yeah, it went fine. It wasn't as fun as it could have been. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry. Right. No, that's that's one of those things where like I played that the original Gauntlet as a kid on the NES, and I'm like, oh, I love that game, and I played again. I'm like, I loved that game. <laughs> 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 yeah. But I've I've grown since then. Yeah. Well, that that brings me into my uh, my my question. Like, what makes a good cooperative game? Yeah. I mean, I'm working on a cooperative game myself, mm-hmm. and I'm curious as to what other people think are good. Generally, if it's got all the stuff Vengeance has, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I would say (laughs) pretty much checks off all All right. Well, I mean that seriously. Topic over. uh, (laughs) Vengeance is a game where you work together to clear areas, but also you have a lot of individual autonomy. Yeah. So you are not, um, if you don't play well with others, all you are is less effective. You don't actually, you don't necessarily hinder the other players. Right. Which means you can learn the sort of cooperative strategies in a more natural way. Yeah. And I really like that about Fingence. Yeah, the way we've designed Fingence is uh, most, most uh, shoot-em-ups are very difficult, notoriously difficult, because uh-huh. like you have to deal with, you have to deal with all these bullets coming at you, and it's very difficult. Not Fingence, right? But, well, <laughs> okay, Fingence is hard, too. Yeah. But, because we've designed it so that like cooperative play um, makes it easier, uh, mm-hmm. we have tanks in the game. We have healers in the game that allow you to uh, mitigate some of the mistakes that your teammates will make because they will make mistakes. Uh, I've seen and, it, <laughs> and um, as a result, it makes the game a little bit easier for people, and it makes it makes it makes each each player feel like an uh, an important part of the team. Yeah, like I was playing Fingence. Uh, we're recording this the day after Fourth of July, uh, and I was uh, we I was playing Fingence with my family because we had a barbecue. Uh, and my cousin uh, isn't the best at uh, video games, but she was able to contribute. She was doing really well. She was playing Dorset. She mm-hmm. used the pick rocket. And she absorbed health from other players to heal us. Nice. She was really good at it too. I was <laughs> I was impressed. Uh-huh. So like those kinds of things, you feel like you're contributing uh, to yeah. the game without having to uh, without having to be the best at the game. Yeah, that, I think that's in in order for a cooperative game to work, it, it ha- you have to you both of the players have to feel like they're contributing in some way. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a there's asymmetry of of um, responsibility or strategy, yep. Yep. Uh, which is uh, common to a lot of newer co-op games. Uh, I'm thinking of like a game like Contra, where you just one you're the red guy or the blue guy. Oh yeah, <laughs> like those are just the same, you know. Yeah, like that's an older fashion style of, of co-op experience, which is still cool. Yeah, um, but it seems to be more the trend to give some unique qualities to different characters. Very uh, class based, is I guess what I'm getting at. Oh yeah, Overwatch is like that. Like even though it's not necessarily it's a team game, but similarly, yeah. That- that's interesting that you bring that up because I'm thinking of um, the old Gauntlet and the new Gauntlet in comparison. The yeah. old Gauntlet had everybody basically played the same, right? You just had everybody shot stuff. No, no, no. There were oh. four characters just yes. like the new one. Right, um, but they, didn't, they no, all, they no didn't really path, do anything but, different. Right, they all just throw, like the warrior just throws axes instead of shoots arrows like the elf, right? I thought. Uh, they all have projectiles of a sense, but like the 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 archer is faster. Okay, it has weaker. It gets damaged more by uh, enemies that hit him. Okay, the warrior is more of a tank. Oh, okay, uh, they, I mean the the standardized like class types which people throw around a lot, and I'm not yeah. as familiar with. Like yeah. that applied here is just sort of a rudimentary version of it. You could, but that's that's what's interesting, and that's what I like about Fingence as well. Uh-huh. Is that 
you can just play it and shoot the weapon. Like you don't have to know what yeah. your particular thing is, and still you're still okay. Right, you're still you know? contributing. Yeah, you can yeah. you can just play each character the same way and still get by. Right. But what I was thinking about the the newer Gauntlet is that they've really like emphasized the differences between all the characters. Oh, it's a straight up role playing game. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Like the elf <laughs> is extremely mobile but very fragile. Yep. And uh, the warrior is a huge uh, but slow like tank like you were saying he, yeah he has melee attacks he doesn't have a ranged move unless you get a particular weapon yeah um a lot of that is from the original uh, yeah. but it's just definitely more so and, and, and adopts more of modern mm. gaming parlance and, and style uh to reinforce that stuff yeah 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 counterpoint to games having like different characters doing different things mm-hmm. uh or have different abilities mm-hmm. uh is overcooked yeah oh yeah because there you the Differences between characters are just cosmetic. You right. can be a raccoon or a person in a wheelchair. Wait, you or... can be something other than a raccoon in that game? I guess I never looked. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, you could be all these different characters and you can lock, unlock new ones, but they're like just basically how you look. Um, and the way you figure out different roles is all like between the people playing. Right, you so assign like, tasks between you, each other on the couch. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, oh, okay, I'll chop. The tomatoes. We mm. need another. Uh, we need another onion. Okay, someone go get the dishes. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we can't all fry these hamburgers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that um, Overcooked does a really good job of making it feel co-op because you just mm-hmm. can't do everything on your own. So you have to have some other people with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does a good job of that. Mm-hmm. That's a very interesting game. Mm-hmm. Does it well? Have you guys ever played co-op games that did co-op poorly? I know it's a hard ask. <laughs> I'm too hot to come up with anything original in that moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's definitely... I, I mean, there's mean things I could say, but I'm not going to. Cut that out, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, Maybe say some mean things and I'll decide whether to cut them out. <laughs> no, no, not gonna. Okay. I don't, We're I not evil. <laughs> no. no. That's been covered. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to go there. I, I can't think of an exact example, but I know there are games where... Um, it, if, actually, you know what? Frankly, the new gauntlet is kind of this. Oh. Where if you're not as experienced with the game, if you're a little newer, you fall behind so quickly. Mm. And then you are just not a drag on your team, but you're not doing anything to contribute in a way that is counterproductive. And that is, can be very frustrating. Um, games that where it's co-op, but you, players get left behind. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know? Another thing that Gauntlet has that often uh, discouraged me from being cooperative in that game is that everybody has their own individual gold. Yeah, um, and so they'll have little gold piles and stuff. But if you go and pick it up, then you get that gold, and other people don't. So I would play as the elf, and I'm super fast. I'll just hop over and grab the gold while everybody else is dealing with enemies. And, stuff. <laughs> and the thing you didn't like was that everyone gave you crap for that. <laughs> yes, I mean I'm just an elf. I'm supposed to get all the gold. Switch up. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it definitely informs, maybe not informs, but explains a design design decision you guys made for Vengeance, which yep. is that everybody shares the pot. Right? Yeah. I was just say it works that way in the Borderlands games too, mm-hmm. where each weapon is unique, so you pick it up and then it's yours. Yeah. But gold. Pick up or pick up money. Everyone gets the money. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. I nice. think those are like definitely in Vengeance. It's a way you, you're trying to curb that player interaction, that that level of competition. Right. You'll still fight for who gets the most damage, or you know, because you also does does it keep track of who actually collects the most gears? It does not. Okay. Um. So there's still some sort of like, oh, I did, I contributed more, or whatever. You can still sort of fight for who's doing that, but it's not as directly competitive in that right. way. But it's interesting that you bring that up because, like, oftentimes people will pick up scrap 
or they'll like slowly go for the scrap and they're like, wait, why are you picking up all the scrap? Yeah. But I, and then I tell them uh, it doesn't matter because everybody gets scrapped at the end. Right. See, that's an area where uh, that that so that's player feedback, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, um, well, when when players get health in Vengeance, they all like glow pulse green momentarily. Yeah. Yep. That's a way to communicate to players that that health applied to everybody. Right. We could do. The you same might want to do something similar, but at little the like same, ching ching of everyone's characters. I'm not super concerned about it to be honest. Little numbers. <laughs> you should have little numbers. No, coming. no, no. <laughs> How dare you, Marcus? Too late, Jen. Yes, I win. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not super concerned about the the, the scrap um, yeah. competing over the scrap because like they're effectively doing they're still helping their team out even if they don't wreck ah them. see that's where I got you now because oh. I've seen players play Fingeance and fight for that yeah and then look to see the results of that somewhere they're like how do I know how well I did oh we all got the like it I think it confuses players a little bit okay but you're right in terms of the the result of it is that they, all the scrap gets collected. Like mechanically, it's pretty sound. Yeah, <laughs> but I right. think I think that's a communication thing. Sure, you should think I, about. It. Yeah, it's yeah. probably something I could look. Into. <laughs> but I, the mechanic is very good. I like the idea that like if they fight for it, it has no consequence. They can right. fight for it for fun. In fact, I think even even players now who are fully aware of how that works, they still fight for it because it's yeah. enjoyable. <laughs> but it's inconsequential, and it's it, a lot of times it comes in that moment between that little um, that little space where you get some relaxing time, and so it's a perfect time to goof off a little bit and fight over nothing. Yeah, and uh, I think that's that's that. That brings up that level of camaraderie in a, in a co-op game. So all that, all that is fantastic. If they, if it actually had consequences, like if someone picked it up and I couldn't buy something, I would be steamed about that oh, for the yeah. rest of the playthrough. Right, right. So all of that is great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interestingly, Metro Nexus works almost exactly the opposite in that um, you fight for control, but it, the game is uh, is essentially a, the co-op I- experience of it where you're all supposed to work together, but all the, all the feedback you get from the game is on an individual basis. I, I do that on purpose to encourage the players to compete in, in a way. And so that co-op is part of my narrative element that you're, you know, you you don't always have to fight just because it's obvious to. Yeah. Right? That's <laughs> that's my little like after school message there. Yeah. But um but I use it th- that uh, how I display uh um a collection mechanics uh, to in this in a same in the same kind of dimension that you're doing it, uh-huh. just in the other, completely other direction. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it works out really well. Mm-hmm. That game too. Um, I'm reminded of uh, newer Super Mario games like yeah. Super Mario Galaxy, and I guess the new uh, Super Mario Odyssey. Uh, when that comes out, uh, they have cooperative modes where like the second player isn't really playing the the, the base game; they're playing as like a, a guy who's just assisting. Right, they're like a familiar. Yeah, yeah, right. Like you can, like I think in Super Mario Galaxy Two, you can stun enemies and slow them down, so your uh, whoever else is playing with you um, is able to, you know, hop on them more easily or something mm-hmm. like that. That's an interesting way of developing uh, co-op to, as a, an assist mechanic. So, like a person who's just watching or uh, wants to participate but isn't really good at platforming or something can can participate and help out with the game. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I that uh, element in, in Galaxy is not well loved, frankly. Mm-hmm. But I think it's one of the best things they did, and the reason why is that if you're, uh, let's say, you're playing with your little brother or yeah. cousin or something like that, or your niece or nephew or whatever, and you you can do it either way. They can control Mario, and uh-huh. then you can be freezing enemies to make it easier for them. Yeah, or and collecting uh, star bits to make it easier for them. Or you could play as Mario, and you've been playing forever, uh-huh. um, and then they can play as the assist so that they can help out. Yeah. So it works both ways in a way that I can't see. I don't think I've ever seen another system like that where it's perfectly balanced, where it doesn't 
like nor a lot of times those are like uh, Sonic and Tails is a good oh, example, yeah. right? Where you 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 want your your little sister to play Tails uh, so she doesn't f it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but and all it can help you, but can't screw it up, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it doesn't really work the other way. Uh, if if the person who is like you know the younger kid or the someone who's not as experienced or a little bit more scared of the game is in charge of Sonic, yeah, then they kind of you know like Tails can't do enough to assist Sonic through the level, uh, even though it's invincible. So, but that Mario Galaxy mechanic is brilliant. Yeah, and I, I hopefully the one in Odyssey uh, will be as good. It looked like it was pretty. It was pretty good. Mm-hmm. From what I saw, everything about that game. Everything <laughs> about that game. I disagree, <gasps> Martha. I just don't like Mario. So I'll be quiet. I'm looking for things to throw at you, Martha. <laughs> <laughs> How about this heat? Throw the heat at uh, No. I, I think I'm not that mean. <laughs> no more. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what about okay, so competition in, in, in cooperative games. Yeah. Can they exist in the same game? Or does it cause yes. conflict? Mm-hmm. I know that you would say yes, Marth, because you make a game that does that. <laughs> yeah, no, that, and so um, I have uh, in when you're on the same team in yeah. Metro Nexus, yeah. it keeps track of the the charts and all the results at the end show your team score. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, of course, in my game, even if you're on a different team, you're all part of the same team. Yeah, so it, it's it's stupidly complicated. <laughs> I, I I always feel I'm, it all works. I'm happy with it, but <laughs> when I try to explain it, I feel like I'm talking around myself all the time. Yeah, but. If you are actually literally on the same color team, uh, there you can't hurt each other. You, you share the same uh, pool, but it does keep track in one area of the game. Keeps track of your individual score. Huh. So you can. Um, it's it's the, the idea is that it's like you're playing as this color team, and so all the results show you what you got together. But there's this little corner that reveals how each of you did, ah. and so the, it, it is meant to be sort of a hint where the game is ostensibly saying like. It doesn't matter which one of you is different, but we forgot to take all that information out. So if you want to actually fight over who contributed more to the team. But that can also be like in Vengeance, having the most damage isn't always great because sometimes that's not the point of your play. Well, So I've seen players in Metro Nexus where uh, uh, like the two people on a purple team, one will go for territory, the other will, will fight and, and defend uh, against other players. So uh, you know that they can, they can compete or they can divide duties. Yeah. Right. So I think that's what's uh, uh, that uh, to your question. I think that level of competition co-op can be something where um, it it can be discouraged or worked around by encouraging players to divide tasks. Um, but also, it can be a way where you can have competition within a co-op environment, but at a cost. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, I, I feel like in Finchins in particular, the mm-hmm. competition causes players to. Um, accidentally cooperate with one another. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it ended up working out really well. Yeah. Um, because, like, if you and uh, a friend are competing for damage, you're both trying to deal the most amount of damage, which right. is always a good thing in Vintage. You never want to not deal damage, I hope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, because, because that some people have that competitive spirit and want to just be better than other people, right. that would um, that would drive players to be more Ironically, cooperative and be more and assist each other more oh, yeah. in the campaign sure, by sure. by like trying to contribute the most amount of damage. Right, like if it's a pie eating contest and you have two people fighting, well, it means more pies overall are going to get eaten. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, have you thought about uh, having two people, two characters, being able to play the same character then, as a way to mechanically balance that that mechanic? Mm. Because then you can actually then then the results are a little bit more legitimate, right? In terms of then the everyone will be playing the same boat. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not in any way recommending that, but I but it, it sounds like that would appeal to that notion that you're describing. Yeah, it would. You know, that's that's scope. Yeah, scope creep stuff. Yeah, we talked about scope creep on this show. I don't know if we've talked about scope creep. Oh, let's file that one for later. I, am I feel an like expert on scope creep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, I think we, we. I think everyone's faced it. It's it is kind of one of those uh, topics that hangs over everybody like a cloud. Yeah. Just like, of course we've talked about it. It's like no, it's just it kind of permeates everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should bring that up. Well, listeners, send us your questions about it, like and your experiences. I, we want to hear. Oh yeah, like what you know that sort of thing for a future episode. Oh goodness, yes. Mm-hmm. The horror stories. <laughs> <laughs> Tell around the ga- the game dev campfire. <laughs> We'd have like a Yule log, but it'd be on a TV. Yeah, that's what we sit around. Oh man, we're getting delirious. <laughs> is, is it time to turn the fans back on? I think it is. Just okay. for a moment. All right. Well, when we recover, hopefully, what's next, Martha? Speed runs. Okay, we'll be there momentarily. Speedy. Uh, it's so hot. <laughs> How hot? I can't finish that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that means it's summer. Uh-huh. Which means, you know, it, what it's time for. What does that mean? Here in the past. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Summer Games Done Quick is happening right now oh, in man, our timeline. That's right. In our timeline. <laughs> the darkest timeline. <laughs> I find it weird that they do that over the 4th of July. It's awesome. I mean, it's cool, but it just seems like... I mean, I'm not one to have 4th of July plans, but it's weird that they hold this event across that. I, maybe that's just... I don't know if it's this year only or what, but... Yeah, I it's the like past two. Oh, yeah. the last one was on. So, what day? is Summer Games Done Quick? It's a speedrun convention thing mm-hmm. where a bunch of people do speedruns and other people watch them. And then it's on Twitch. All the runs get, get uh, streamed on Twitch and then people donate money mm. and the money goes to a charity. So, um, this year it's Doctors Without Borders. I think it's always Doctors Without Borders. It was sure. the. Yeah, maybe the summer one always is, but it originally was the first two summer games done quick were for the Organization for Autism Research. Ah, okay. And then since 2013 till now, it's uh, Doctors Without Borders. Ah. Um, and it has a companion event yes. earlier in the year, right? Um, uh, awesome games done quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to watch those when I was younger. Oh, those are great. Uh, I think that I think it used to be just awesome games done quick. And then like, it got so popular that they decided to do it twice a year. And so ah, the summer okay. games done quick now sure. as well. Yes. And cool thing, the last the last three years, um, it's been held in Minneapolis. Yes. Yeah, it's funny because uh, it's still impossible to get tickets. And so no one I know is going. <laughs> I know. That's, okay. Anyone from Games Done Quick who is listening, we want to give you money for same-day tickets. We don't need a hotel room because we're here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll just go home afterward. Yep. And you can tell Martha's serious. She's got her hands on her hips. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I wanted to go. And, like, and I know so many people who are like, oh, man, I would, I would you know, pay for an evening of just yeah. going for, mm-hmm. one, for one evening. Yeah. Um, I've seen some of those streams. There's some open chairs. <laughs> there are so many open chairs. Yes. <laughs> We should have give you more money <laughs> and more money. That means more money for charity, yeah. you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so um, they've raised so much money. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just increased every year. It gets more press every year, too. So it's yeah. more of a, a sort of a standard of the gaming calendar, which is really cool. Yeah. It's awesome. It's like one of my favorite things in the year. Mm-hmm. Totally fun. Watch. You, you were just get... talking about like we should watch it at a bar or something. They should have these yeah, showing right? at a bar. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, because every every house of all my friends watch it. So like every house I've gone to is just like, oh, uh, GQ's on, awesome. 
And then I go to a bar and they're like, sports. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> so Martha, what is it you like about speedruns? Uh, I think it's just so fun to watch people break the game. Uh-huh. Like that's one of the things I like to do in games is like find the where you can jump on things that you might not supposed to be able to do. Yeah. Or like, you know, I, in Borderlands, I spend so much time just wandering around Sanctuary, like trying to jump onto buildings and see how high I can get and stuff. Um, and see if I can go to places that the, the game devs didn't anticipate you going to see <laughs> yeah. what's there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in, in a lot of speed runs, that's what they do is try to break the game to make it faster. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's what I like about it. Plus, like, I don't know. It's just, it's just fun because during uh, SGDQ, uh, there's like commentators on this, on this couch behind the person who's speed running the game and they're just like, talk about what the person's doing and like oh it's really impressive it might not look impressive that what they're doing right now but it's like very difficult <laughs> yeah. to get this one jump yeah uh that's just- my favorite part about it is this sort of the commentary and sometimes because it not everyone's going for like a world record or anything so sometimes the people playing will it will do the commentary themselves and it's like well that seems like you should be focusing but sometimes they're just there for the charity of it and for the fun and to show off mm-hmm. games that are not normally sped run mm-hmm. you know Sped run. <laughs> um, Speed run? Yeah. What's and, the past tense of that? But just explaining the methods and structures and like, that is so fascinating. Just like any little weird hobby is interesting when someone who's good at it explains it to you. Yeah. It's super entertaining. Yeah. Um, I used to watch, like I said, I used to watch speedruns all the time when I was a kid. I used to go on to speeddemosarchive.com um, and when I was in uh, middle school or elementary school or high school, something. Uh Long time ago. You know, old man McGregor. (laughs) (laughs) Back in my day. (laughs) They only went this fast. Yeah. (laughs) They needed to collect 30 stars. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, But yeah, Speed Demo Archive have um, a whole bunch of different speedruns and things from all all kinds of systems and Mm -hmm. classic from classic systems to new ones. Yeah. Um, And I used to read all of the different descriptions and how those tricks worked and what they missed and what they didn't miss in, in, their, in their particular runs. Yeah. It's really fascinating how like all of the different things, they, all of the different tricks they use in order to um, increase their times by like a few seconds. Right. It's crazy. That's like, I mean, I, there's, there's a lot of games where like rolling is fast. I, I think people have seen like, in, um, and they maybe probably have done it in like Legend of Zelda, uh, Ocarina of Time. You move faster while you're rolling. So everybody rolls in that. Um, but then there's that one, I don't remember how you trigger the glitch, but there's a glitch where like you can get Link to like catapult and speed really fast because of something. I can't remember, but he, he would do it in Hyrule Field. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just, it's just insane yeah. the kinds of things that they're able to do. It's funny because the one thing that I, I've seen a lot of that is Super Mario 64. Yeah. Has lots oh, of yeah. exploits. Classic. And it's not even just speed running, it's the like the A press challenge. It's this, oh, oh yeah. It's this thing where like how fast can you beat the game without. With the fewest presses of A, which is like a weird, like no other game requires that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just no other speed, you know, time you need to speed run a game. But that whole uh, thing is absolutely incredible. And the notion that you can um, go get so much momentum in your character that you loop back around and there's these sort of like, like the world is tiled yeah. a certain yeah. amount. And so you're actually teleporting like constantly, but it needs to be in even uh, numbers of something so that you end up within the world again. It's just absolutely crazy. It's just really exposing the, like the sort of the programming techniques that you know to get it on that little cart back then. Yeah, like and all the the things where it's like this memory is stored next to this memory. So if we go over 
you know, if you glitch through this wall or do this certain thing when this person says this, mm-hmm. like a lot of Pokemon runs are like yeah. that, where it's like yeah. everything was layered on top of each other's because it just had so little space. Yeah, you can do crazy, crazy things. Right, yeah, like if you talk to this person at a certain time and you walk onto this tile, you'll get this Pokemon at this time with this stats. Or yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, yeah. They, they, um, in order for you to speedrun a game, you have to have such an understanding of the game. Like mm-hmm. You have to know the game better than the developers themselves almost. Yeah. It's totally different from when we talk about like mastering a game. Mm-hmm. Like we've we've talked about like the philosophical like places where we stand on that. Yeah, and and you know it's it's still my opinion that like gaming like playing games doesn't need to be a talent. I mean, okay, I know, I know, <laughs> but at the same time, I very much appreciate the the sort of deep dive into the sort of structure and 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 systems because I'm very interested in like in in analyzing systems, and so yeah. I feel like speedrunning leapfrogs over that concern of mine and just as like becomes this other thing mm-hmm. you know um but i don't much like watching them mm. exactly like I, I i i love the commentary and i love reading about them because that's more interesting that part of it is the most interesting yeah huh. less so the um the like the tension of like is he gonna get the time like i don't care i really don't care <laughs> oh i love that <laughs> yeah that, i mean i find that pretty exciting too but i also yeah. find the commentary to be really just uh, insanely fascinating yeah, yeah. And the culture around it, at least in in these events, are, is really positive. I don't oh, know if that's true so, in the whole yeah. the whole sort of hobby of it, but like it is. There's just such a sort of like unbridled joy about video games. Yeah, that's I've, really fun and infectious. I've read some articles about like speedrunners, and they're all competing, but it's it's generally friendly competition. Mm-hmm. Like they'll like they shout uh, out each other. And, yeah, and yeah, like, they do that all the time in the, in summer games and quick. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, they're yeah friendly people. Mm-hmm. And you know we love that here at Night's Games Club. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, should we talk about tool assisted speedruns too? Is that a topic we should bring up? Oh yeah. Well, there's like that that brings up like the different categories of speedruns. Yeah. So like each each time like they have like all the events listed, um, they also list like what category they're in, because you can do different types of speedruns mm-hmm. um and the the type will determine like what you can do the kind of rules you stay in so there's like things where it's like no assist with anything there's uh any percent which means that you can glitch anything just as long as you get to the end of the game as fast as you can so you can skip everything if you know how to get underneath the door to get to the final boss and do that and get it done in five minutes or whatever um you don't have to collect all the stars right or do all the dungeons or defeat all the enemies you just have to trigger the end cutscene or whatever it is that it's decided yeah. Uh, and there's like a hundred percent, which means you have to collect all the things or do all the dungeons uh, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like there can be things like deathless, like play the game without dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's uh, in here. There's the blindfolded ones where well, oh, they, yeah. do, they do a lot of these in uh, summer games done quick for gimmicks, you know, to get people excited. Yeah, yeah. Um, but where like they will blindfold themselves and they'll play through because they understand the game so well <laughs> that they will play through the game. Uh, blindfolded and speed run it at the same time, which is just oh my goodness, yeah. insane! <laughs> it's crazy. Um, and then they have the they have the races uh, during this, uh, summer games done quick, which I really like watching because like it, I always I mean uh, paying attention to who's who's in person. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do I mean do they they do have actual competition? They they do. Yeah. I mean, okay. it's, it's not like competition. They don't win anything. They just no. Like, I know, but I, I guess I guess whenever I watch those videos or see it live. It's always in the spirit of like I'm doing this fast, but I'm not aiming for a world record. Yeah. It, but they do actually have uh, like attempts to. 
They have they have attempts to like beat another person. They will play the same yeah, game like at the same screen. time. Oh, like a split screen. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Effectively split it, screen. Yeah, it's yeah, usually yeah. Mario. Oh yeah. Uh, oftentimes, yeah, yeah. Something like that, or something okay. speedrun really, or like a Mega Man game. Oh, okay, Mega something Man. that maybe a lot of the people in speedrun community have done. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. so there's a larger pool of yeah uh, applicants for an event like that. I remember yeah. seeing one where they um they were racing and they were all blindfolded at the same time too. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Just stacking on top of one another. Nice. There was some who was telling me someone was telling me about one that they saw where the person was blindfolded but then they found a glitch accidentally that skipped them forward like three levels or something Whoa. and they're like wait a minute it's not the sound I'm supposed to be hearing. <laughs> I'm like like lifted yeah. my blindfold up and was like, "Wait a minute, what? I never found that glitch before." <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> that's so funny! It? <laughs> Just like the um, I mean, well, they must have thought they screwed up, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, like at that point, I would be like, "Can I just continue this like a normal speed?" Yeah. Please? <laughs> <laughs> I could beat my time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or like, yeah, there's someone who is like, I just beat my wor- a world record in, but it was in the practice room. And there was no cameras, and I was alone, so none of you will believe me. And there's no way to prove it. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing they have to. You have to do is you have to record yourself doing a speedrun in order to prove that you. Yeah, at that yeah. point. And mo- I think nowadays people are just streaming themselves on Twitch doing it. Mm. There's often a lot of like Kotaku articles and stuff about. Yeah, like, yeah. This guy did uh, get a uh, 15 seconds faster than this other dude. Yeah, I've seen a couple articles where it's uh, Kotaku is really the 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 uh, publication that does more of this stuff than I think other yeah. video game, uh, uh, blogs do. But mm-hmm. um, where you see a video and it's like someone who they're like, you know, they got a stain on their shirt and they're really just practicing. But the friction to streaming is so low and the possibility of getting something is like high enough that people are just streaming all the time, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're practicing anyways. They might as well just show, you know, show up to people and right, possibly right. get donations. Right. Because then there'll be some people who are like, I was there then. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And buy the shirt that says, I was there for the <laughs> <laughs> for shaving a tenth a second or yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah. So those definitions like any percent or those sort of like sort of generally agreed upon terms. I find that really interesting when I watch the the summer games on quick is that they the commentator or the player will announce to everybody like this is when we start the clock and we only end the clock here. And there's sort of an agreed upon amongst the people who play those games. Yeah. And uh, one that I watched uh, the other day was Intelligence Cube, which is a PlayStation game, my very favorite PlayStation game. <laughs> I don't know if I've talked about it on the show before, but I've mentioned it to you guys, I think. Um, it's a puzzle game and it's silly and it, it's, it was, I guess, popular in Japan and Europe but not very popular here. Yeah. Um, but a friend of mine had it and I played it at this place all the time. But I watched the speed run of it, and I was super interested because I hadn't played the game in a long time, and I never, I never had a PlayStation. So, um, but he was describing like, oh, we need to end it here, even though we could end the clock earlier. There's a chance that you could sort of screw up in the time from here to here uh, because of. The way, and he's just describing that in a way that like it sort of made a lot of sense because I've seen some uh, the definition of an ending is like the end of a cutscene or something. The definition of uh, so the way speedruns work is you have to you press the timer to start as soon as you gain control yeah. of your character or whatever you're doing, and uh, it stops as soon as you lose control, and that's the end of the game. Right. I, I guess what I mean is like yeah. that's that's what I've heard, but mm. it sometimes it confuses me where that's being applied. Okay. And and the, when they were describing the actual thing, he actually explained. This may not make sense to you as the place to stop it, but here is why. Oh. A, it almost never ever happens, but there's a chance where. And so then they're like, oh, okay. They, th- there's not, it's not just an agreement upon. They actually do follow the rules, that sort of general guideline as best mm-hmm. they can. It's just that some games require it to be a little bit more, in order to follow that rule to the letter, you need to actually, for the most part, look like you're not following it. I don't know. It just, it was very interesting because yeah. I've seen speedruns where it's like, why are they waiting so long like, to stop the clock? But it's like, well, it adds that three seconds to everybody, I guess. I don't know. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. That's that's how I've always heard it defined as yeah. when, when you lose control is when you end the speed run. Right, right, yeah. right. Um, um, tool assisted speed runs are speed runs that are you know tool assisted, but specifically it's like when you're using like uh, save states and uh, uh, computer programs to create this the speed run. Mm. Um, so you can do a theoretical speed run. Yeah, right. right? And well, sometimes sometimes people. Yeah, sometimes right. people actually like compete for it to see who can get who can develop the technique to uh, yeah. get the fastest time. I used to watch um, tool assisted speed or tool assisted speed runs videos. T it's tasvideos.org. We'll have these all on the the the, the doobly doo. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> Don't worry, it's too hot to know what that, to remember any of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, so yeah, you can you can watch those kinds of videos, and it's really fascinating how they do that. They have there's a particular uh, tool assisted speed run. Um, where they go through uh, brain age, they go through brain age. Yeah, and like what they'll do is because of the way that the game is programmed, uh, if you draw a certain, if you draw a particular uh, thing in a certain way, you'll still be able to input answers. So there's those those questions you may have seen in, in brain age, where like you have to answer uh, easy addition and subtraction problems. So they'll go like eleven plus uh, two equals thirteen, obviously, but they'll draw like. Um, a detailed picture of Mario, and they'll answer the question correctly instead of having to input thirteen. It's 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 really it's really cool how they do that. Um, I I don't remember all the details to it, but it's like it's it's fascinating. Yeah, it's crazy. I like I really like routing tool assisted speed runs, even though like it it's not a human doing it because mm-hmm. just because of like all of the craziness that they can uh, all the craziness they'll do and do it in a game to make it to make you go through it fast. Well, it's again, it's analyzing the systems and solving the puzzle. Yeah. Is, that, that gets me going. I like that. Yeah, one. yeah. I also think it's, it's very often used as a way, as a research tool for human speedruns. Mm. Right? Just to, to, yeah. to test strategies just to see if they're possible if yeah. they spend like three years trying it. Yeah, right, right. yeah. You know? Yep. Mm-hmm. Fast to have the computer run up against every wall and yeah. do it yourself. Yeah. That has to be certainly how all that, all those Mario things have been discovered. It's amazing. It's mm-hmm. It's this field of scientific research that is contributing nothing to mankind, <laughs> but it's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like in Super Mario sixty four, the um, you oh, how many stars did you have to to actually get to one hundred and twenty? No, no, not just to complete it, just to beat it. Don't oh, you need like sixty? Sixty or eighty? Uh, one of those. I'm yeah. Embarrassed, I don't know right. that offhand. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Blame the heat. <laughs> it's the heat. Yeah. Uh, um, but like they they kept reducing the the amount of stars that they actually needed in order to beat the game yeah because they would just skip through doors and things mm-hmm. so i think it was at like it was like 20 at some point because i think you needed to get it to just enough so you could get to this door so you could uh uh speed through like a, um, some of the doors you could mm-hmm. do that and then they developed a way to get it in like two stars and then like one star and now they have a way to do it in zero stars yeah which is like oh yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> by reaction <laughs> yeah that's insane so much stuff um and there's there's just a lot of there's a lot of uh, interesting details that go into like the history of how they've tried to speedrun all these games. There's uh, these these groups of videos made by um, someone on YouTube called Summoning Salt. Um, they have they have videos of like history of speedruns and things. Mm-hmm. There's a Super Mario Brothers one that's really fascinating that they I, they spend like I mean they've been practicing Super Mario Bros for 15 years or even longer than that, and like they've only really reduced the time by only a few seconds after after that at that certain yeah. point. But they just they keep doing it and they just keep trying to beat the fastest time. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of the thing I find interesting is because it's kind of a weird sort of it I think the people who do speed runs know it's silly. Yeah. And so I do enjoy when people speed run ridiculous games. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't have an example offhand, but I'd like uh, to they 
did I am bread this year. Oh yeah. They did do that. <laughs> Just finding like, you know, uh, applying that sort of like rigor to something that was not just not meant for it, but it's like, there's no reason to, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was one that I really liked a couple, I think it was last year, maybe it was at the AGDQ, mm-hmm. but uh, it was the Talos Principle, which yeah. is a puzzle game, sort of like The Witness, where you have to solve puzzles on rocks and stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. But they did a run where they turned it into a platformer. So they <laughs> like, there's some way that you had this like surveyors tools or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you like threw, if you threw it, like deployed it at a certain spot next to a wall, you could jump on it and push yourself up on top of the walls. Wow. And then you could just walk over, walk platform your way <laughs> to the end and not have to do any puzzles whatsoever. Wow. <laughs> it was great. Nice. That's something. Else. And very silly. Yeah. <laughs> Turning a very serious game into the, stupidest game ever right. it was awesome <laughs> yeah it's a whole bunch of those crazy glitches there's one in um i think tomb raider legends yeah where like there's two there's two points in the game where you are in laura croft's mansion uh, if you if you go through the game as, or if you go through that the first time in a certain way you'll skip from one point to the next point so you'll skip like half of the game because you went through this door instead of another <laughs> door. oh man yeah <laughs> There's a whole bunch of glitches involved with these things. Right, right. So, uh, have you guys bet run any games? No. Does vengeance count? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, to that end, the next question was, uh, is your game speed run friendly? <laughs> Steven? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it's funny. Uh, Blaine, um, he's been on the show before and he works on Fingence with, uh, with me and my brother. Uh, he had talked quite a, uh, a few times about like adding a speed run mode or like speed run mechanics to make, the, to make you able to go through the game faster. He's talking about making it so that the further your, your team was to the right of the screen, the faster the game would scroll through oh. the level. <laughs> that, that didn't work. Uh, <laughs> we did try it a little bit though. It's got a good risk reward mechanic, but yeah, yeah but scope. It, scope. Yeah. yeah. Um, we do, we did implement my, me, or uh, no. Uh, Charles and Lane implemented within a few hours. They implemented like a speed running mode, so you can uh, speed run and compete against the fast or bosses as quick as possible. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So there's that now, uh, which is pretty cool. We have uh, we tweeted about it the other day. Um, it's a pretty fast. Video. Oh yeah, I saw that. We'll put yeah. that in the notes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so we have dabbled in it some. Yeah, it's like I mean, shoot 'em ups in general aren't super friendly for speed running, but maybe if they tend to be auto scrollers, right? right. Yeah. But yeah, and I, I um, speedrunners are always talking about auto scrolling parts. They're like, "Oh, this is the worst part of the game." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've seen some Mario ones where the Mario it's just the, it's the speedrunner's like opportunity to like be stupid and yeah. just, like also make mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those are those are fun. Yeah, uh, I'm, I kind of hope that our game is able to be put in like an awesome games done quick or summer games done quick. Yeah, I don't know if uh, they've ever like talked about reaching out to the indie games indie devs here about like having their game speed run during the event but that would be really good for us and good for them because they would be able to have like novel games mm-hmm. that they would speed run and um it would be good for us because we'd be on um, summer games on quick yeah we should definitely cool. uh lobby to get sort of a little glitch booth there maybe to... oh yeah we could even just do lo- not ones on the twitch stream but yeah like... just to sort of participate and be fairly good it is interesting because it's um it's it's a different 
kind, it's a different part of gamer culture. And so it's sometimes like, oh, yeah, I guess we should be there too. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, why not? Well, of course, why not? Yeah. Because uh, we're going to like it as viewers, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've thought about Metro Nexus in that way. The, my single player mode, which is, you know, again, far off, don't ask. Um, it is, it, you, it basically, you collect all the tiles. So it, it, it has, it, it does time you. And so I've thought about level design in a way that you can create the most optimal route that would take even less time and ways for you to sort of shortcut that. So I have thought about like that, like lean, but I'm not, my philosophy is like, if someone wants to speed run it, that's fine. But I don't know if I feel like I have the capacity to cater to that in the design process. Sure. I feel like that will just uh, send me off course. I feel like your game is pretty good at for speed runs because like your game is all about efficiency. That's true. Well, uh, the single player can't. Yeah. And I, and people do try for when they do cooperatively, they do try to get it as fast as possible. That is essentially the goal. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, but at the same time, I think that, I think designing a game for speedrunning might be, eh, maybe this isn't a fair statement, but I feel like that's a little bit um, disingenuous, perhaps. Like, I think... Unless I mean, you're making a racing game, in which case that's that, the point. Right. Well, then it's just high scores, right? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, imagine, like, I don't know. Maybe, again, I don't think that's fair, but, like, people, do, certainly people design games to be uh, uh, for, for Let's Plays. Yeah. Right? And then there's no there's nothing wrong with a catering to today's gamer, certainly. Yeah. But I think that um, a game has to just, I think it has to just come by naturally. I think speedrunners enjoy finding games that can be exploited, not that we're meant to be exploited, maybe. Yeah. That, I, maybe I'm getting into the psychology of a speedrunner. We should have one on it to actually talk about. That would what, be so awesome. How you cho- what you choose to part in part of your portfolio of, that you spend hours on. Yeah. Because uh, I'm making a lot of assumptions here. I heard uh, during the the, the uh, or speed, or summer games on quick, someone was being interviewed and they were talking about they pick games that are shorter to speedrun because they just don't have as much time to free. They don't have as much free time to be playing really long games that mm-hmm. take three hours to speedrun. Just so more play, attempts then, yeah. Yeah, so they'll play something like Super Meat Boy or whatever to get through. They, yeah. And they won't go through all the levels or whatever. Yeah. They'll just play through those ones and get through it in 20 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. And so. people have done speedruns of long games like Zelda Breath of the Wild can yes. be done in half an hour. Um, and that was a game that you was designed if you wanted a shortcut, you could. Yeah. But that's a game where I think even those short runs, they're not perfect the way like a Mega Man speed run would have to be. Right. Because it's just the length is too long. Even half an hour is a long time, right. I think, yep. for, uh, to develop optimal play. So in terms of going for that extra half second, I don't feel, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's a lot of competition at that level on those types of speed runs. I guess not in terms of like if you can get five seconds faster than this. Right, you end up like beating it by 30 seconds or, or like, or, you know, maybe 10 or 15 or something, but like mm-hmm. it's not, you don't you don't know what the, you know, uh, one of those runs will have a couple of mistakes, but fine, because, yeah. you know, they, they sort of all have to at a certain point. Yeah, yeah. I think that, I think that there are just certain games that lend themselves better to speed runs than others. Like, yeah. Like shoot 'em ups are more yeah. difficult to speed run, but there's a lot of platformers that um, have like speed running modes. Um, oh, the Shantae okay. games, yeah. They often have like a speed running challenge or something. Ah. Um, yeah, building that in as a ch- just as a time trial, like I mean, that seems like just a like any old game designed for that purpose. Like yeah. I mean, it's just speed running is just another name for it, I uh, guess. Right? Yeah. If you're following the rules. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think when you described speed running at the top of the segment, it felt more like searching for exploits. And I feel like it, it, when the game when the des- the designer puts a mode in there, then it's just time trial. Right? I well, know. I mean, it, it goes depend, it depends on the mode. Like, if you're doing, mm-hmm. there's also a thing called glitchless. So, if you aren't ah, going to yeah. do any glitches and go through the whole thing without going through walls or doing any weird things to get ah, through okay. doors or whatever. Yeah. But then oh, it's like, the, okay, sure. So, sure. that's more like a time trial. Yeah. And it's yeah, like, yeah. what constitutes a glitch? Just like yeah. jumping over right. a wall, a glitch. Yeah. I mean, out of bounds glitches yeah. are probably glitches, but like, 
Well, so merely suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, because like uh, it seems like that's usually determined by the peep, the community of people who play that game. Yeah. Mm. They sort of tend to agree upon what counts as an exploit or not mm. for that purpose, mm. if, I, if I recall. Yeah, I, yeah. Like there's commentary in the the events that sort of describe that. Like that we consider this this because you know, like, um, and there's there's usually a lot of thought given to that stuff. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, like any hobby, it's people take it seriously. It, yeah. So you know. In so far that anyone takes any hobby seriously. It's cool. So it can completely consume your life. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to be generous, but yeah. If you had time to speedrun a game, what game would you speedrun? Oh, man. Uh, You know, I think I might go for the new Super Mario games. Yeah? Like, not the original ones, because I feel like that's well-trod ground, but um, like a new Super Luigi U. Do you guys ever play that? I did not, but I know it's, what it is. It's essentially a, a, it's like a total conversion mod of yeah. new Super Mario U. Um, but it's all brand new levels. It just didn't, re- this is all reused art, basically. Um, they're all 30 seconds long. Mm. Like, it, the countdown, or maybe it's just a minute, but you know when the, the, the countdown timer mm-hmm. speeds up, the music speeds up? That happens immediately in every level in that game. Mm. And so you have to go through fast. And that's kind of fun, like the, as a game mechanic. So I feel like because those games have a lot more going on than the classic Mario games, I feel like that if I really, if I wanted to give myself over to that hobby, I might go for one of those. Okay. You know, I don't know. I don't know if those games are good for that. But, but then I guess I'm just thinking of the glitchless. I don't, I'm not that interested as a player in glitching a game. I'm interested in reading about glitches other people find. I feel like <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the opposite that way. Like I would like to, I'd like to, I like the time attack, but. Uh, I don't want to watch a time attack. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think I would want to do um, uh, Donkey Kong Country Returns or Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. One of those oh, two. yeah. The, the um, what's it? Retro Studios. Because uh, those games Donkey are just hard to beat. They are hard to beat, but like they have a time trial mode yeah. where you can just you know try to get the fastest time possible. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I tried to do I I, I tried to do a lot of those um, in Donkey Kong Country Returns, and it just it was really fun because like you just had to be able to. Find or find the optimal times to jump, uh, because the way Donkey Kong Country works is like when you're rolling, if you jump out of it, you'll go in the same speed you roll. So if you want to, if you keep bouncing off enemies, you'll continue that speed. Um, I don't know if there are exploits. I'm sure there are. I, I I'm not aware of them. Um, there's always there's damage exploits. I guess if you take damage just to just to get past an enemy, yeah. as opposed to having to like defeat it or whatever, it's mm-hmm. beneficial in that way. Uh, but th- those were pretty fun. I think those would be fun to do. So, Martha, which Nintendo franchise would you like to speedrun? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, maybe a Zelda. No. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know what I would speedrun. For some reason, what gets in my head, which isn't a speedrunnable game, but I'm like, I want to do the fastest Stardew Valley playthrough ever, <laughs> which I don't think is possible. Does that we, game have an ending? I mean, you could do it till like you get all the bundles or oh, whatever, okay. something like that. But that's a thing. Go for it. Yeah. Switch version's coming. <laughs> I'm surprised. Really? Oh, yeah, I oh, forgot yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> I, I, I love when the, when you remember that that's a fact. <laughs> Just light up. It's great. Oh, I'm yeah. so excited. Yeah. Um, yeah, but let's see. I I really liked a uh, platformer games because that seems like a like the kind of runs you were talking yeah. about. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the Wario. World, yeah, Wario World games. games. Yeah, I, I've never really played fun. those. Oh, they're I didn't have fun. a GameCube, so but they're they kind of like oh, Mario. I, I was had it on uh, uh, Game Boy. Oh, yeah, were right. They were Game those Boy ones. The, uh, oh, Mario right. Land, I think. Are those? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're kind of like Mario games. They don't. The jumps are a little different and stuff, but they're they're basically Mario games where you can't die. Oh, 
Actually, there's. I think in one of the Wario Land games, there's a point where you can die, and they yeah. actually have like a game over screen and whatever. Right. But that's just like one point in the whole game. Yeah, which is weird. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like every time you actually take damage in that game, like Wario sort of gains a power for something. I, I feel like yeah, you get angry. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those games are cool, and they're like mm-hmm. yeah, they're like super puzzly and stuff like that to yeah. get through the levels. And I think there is some sort of time component in some of the levels. Mm. But yeah, it's uh, I really like those games, so maybe I would speedrun those. That'd be fun. Yeah. So there, there's there's your Nintendo franchise. <laughs> <laughs> it counts. <laughs> all right, good. Now now we we have all the information we need to end the show. <laughs> oh, thank God. I mean, it's great talking to everyone in the heat. Yes. Uh, heat is fun. Sorry. Good time. Any final notes to speed through before we call it quits? Uh-uh. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> Well, hey, that's our show. If you haven't already, subscribe to Nice Games Club in your favorite podcast app, and be sure to give it a good review if you liked it or are nice like us. We really need to know you're out there, so leave a review and tell all your friends, too. Leave us feedback on the feedback form. Where can we find that, guys? Uh, NiceGames.club slash feedback. That's the one. That's really hot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you hear it in Steven's voice, guys? He's so sad. Cheer, uh. cheer him up. <laughs> Give us some feedback. NiceGames.club slash feedback. Uh, also, find us on Reddit, r slash GameDev. We post the show notes there every week. Uh, seek us out and uh, talk to us. Talk to each other about what we talked about. Uh, tell us your favorite uh, games to speedrun. And I forget what other topics are. Let's talk about those, too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we also want to hear directly from you. So follow us on Twitter. All the other things as well, at NiceGamesClub. Let us know how we're doing. Send us your topics. Ask us your questions. Lastly, you find more about the show in your nice house as well as all the links and doobly-doo from this and other episodes <laughs> at nicegames.club. So, until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.